Whether it's her first Mother's Day or her 40th, she deserves more. Shop tons of stunning on-trend jewelry for every budget at Diamonds Direct. Diamond fashion jewelry, beautiful birthstones, everyday pearls, starting at just $200. Commemorate the real loves of her life with a gorgeous pendant featuring the birthstone of the one who made her mom. This Mother's Day, Diamonds Direct has everything you need to say thank you. Diamonds Direct. Your love, our passion. Online at DiamondsDirect.com. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet. That's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President, Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. The Black Effect presents Family Therapy, and I'm your host, Elia Connie. Jay is the woman in this dynamic who is currently co-parenting two young boys with her former partner, David. David, he is a leader. He just don't want to leave me. But how do you lead a woman? How do you lead in a relationship? Like, what's the blueprint? David, you just asked the most important question. Listen to Family Therapy on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Imagine you ask two people the same seven questions. I'm Minnie Driver, and this was the idea I set out to explore in my podcast, Mini Questions. This year, we bring a whole new group of guests to answer the same seven questions, including Courtney Cox, Rob Delaney, Liz Fair, and many, many more. Join me on season three of Mini Questions on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your favorite podcasts. Seven questions, limitless answers. Hello, the internet. Yes, it's me. That means it's substitute time. And it's season 228, episode one of the Daily Zeitgeist, a production of iHeartRadio. This is the podcast where we take a deep dive into America's shared consciousness. It is Monday, March 14th, 2022. We all know what that is. That means it's fucking Pi Day 314. Put it in the air. Whether or not you're celebrating the mathematical concept of Pi or you love a wonderful baked dessert as pie. I shout out to uh, this guy I used to play soccer with on pie day. He would have a party. He was like an engineer, but also make a, a like a spread of pies. Always missed out on it because it just didn't feel like the event for me. But I respect it. I am Miles Gray, like I said, a.k.a. Oh, let's try this, a.k.a. I wish you would eat from the right end, my friend. You could take the time to peel it, how the banana gods intend. And if you want to start at the stem, I won't understand. And that was in reference to a past guest talking about eating apples from the bottom, eating (laughs) bananas from the bottom. Okay, like these are apparently these are new techniques of eating these fruits. I did not know. Shout out to Scouty Magoo on the Discord. But let's not distract from me. Let's talk about today's guest co-host. 
one of my favorites. I don't even think I even need to inter- introduce this person. Oh anymore. shit! I'll just say, what do you hear that? Bah! Was that a goat? <laughs> I don't know. Maybe it is. Maybe it's one of my favorite co-hosts and people in podcasting. The just uber talented producer host, uh, media critic, media everything. Uh, lives and breathes everything media and helps me look good. Without further ado, please welcome my guest host, Joel Mooney. Hey, what's up, Miles? How you doing? Oh, I'm great. I'm great. I'm great. Oh. It's pie day. You know? It is pie day. You know, shout Just out Just a blessing unto us. Oh, Go get 100%. your cheap pie, guys. Love. It's out there. Yeah. I mean, I'd imagine, right? Like, shouldn't like a Marie Callender's do something like... Cocos? They all do it. Listen, if you're near a milk bar, you can go in what? and get some of their milk bar pie. For like, I, I think they're doing change. it for $3.14 or something like. Oh, you can get pokey. that sugar bomb for $3.14? Go live your best life. I had, I'm not, okay, full disclosure. I had one of the, the milk bar pies, which used, let's, let's not forget the problem. Yeah, we remember what it used to, to be called. Okay, mm-hmm. we're not going to talk about it. But Mm-mm. I had one of those and I, after eating a slice of that pie, I had a cookie and the cookie tasted like salt. Because my my like sugar receptors were so blown out from having one slice of that pie, I could only taste the salt in a cookie. Anyway, shout out to that. Oh my god! But without further ado, let's welcome today's guest. You know, it's not often this podcast is graced with you know Emmy and Peabody Award winning producer writers, uh, podcast talents, and even people with wonderful accents from abroad. I am thrilled to welcome today's uh, guest. You might know them. Actually, they've been on the show before. Back then, you know, working on a show called Forgotten Women of Juarez. And also, you might remember them from the show Sleepwalkers. Okay, also another iHeart joint. But without further ado, please welcome to the stage, Mr. Oz Wollaston! What's up, Oz? Hi. Hi, Miles. Nice to be here again. Hi, Joel. Very nice to be on the show with you as well. Thank you for having me. I've been dusting off those uh, those Emmys and Peabody's in preparation. <laughs> there you go. Just looking at them. No, I, I, I think there's a twinkle in your eye, a rather, a rather entertained twinkle as you listed off my 10-year-old creds. But um, hey, hopefully we'll <laughs> those are awards. Don't yes, be modest. You know true. what I mean? 10 years ago, what the fuck was I doing? 2012? Uh, I got no, a video we don't want to talk f- about that. I got a video on the front page of BuzzFeed because I got so <laughs> fucked up drinking boxed wine. You know, that's, that's, that's pretty, pretty good. good. <laughs> that was the heights I was hitting in 2012. <laughs> also, I tell you. Yeah, you can't find that video on the internet anymore. <laughs> oh, look at Crafty. Yeah. I can't scrub my worst mistakes from the internet. They're out there. Uh, yeah. Oz, I can tell you're over the awards because you're the first person who has those awards that hasn't had them framed in the background of your image. Yeah. Every time I have an award-winning person, they're like, and these are my awards, just casually placed behind me. Uh, didn't set it up that way. That's just where they live. <laughs> oh, that you. Thank yeah. you for giving me the favor of, of, of telling the <laughs> listeners I don't uh, I don't have those behind me. I do have some very strange family photographs and some old tennis balls because even two and a half years into COVID, I haven't figured out how to do that elegant zoom behind blur thing so everyone gets to look deep into my... Uh, <laughs> I think in a way, that's its own thing, right? Like you see people with really well, you know, designed, intentionally placed backdrops for theirs. Because I get it. We live in a Zoom world and we have shit like room raiders where people are like, being like look at this person's room. But... What the? F- I mean, if anything, I feel like it should represent who you are. And if you look at my background, background, you know, I don't. I'm not really that into designing the background. In fact, I'm just some guy in a room. 
<laughs> that's kind of dirty. So <laughs> that's who I am. Any? Do you have any love for pie, Oz, on Pie Day 314? I, I, I mean, funny enough, I didn't put two and two together. I didn't know what you were talking about, but I was smiling and nodding as all good podcasts, oh, yes. I guess, do. And I slowly <laughs> figured it out. When, yeah, because uh, I guess you do it different in the UK. It would be 14-3. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. No, but, I, but Pie Day, I mean, it's good that Pie Day and Friday coincide because I think Pie Day would feel a little bit sad if it wasn't also Friday. So, Oh, technically this is Monday. Oh, you know, sorry, this is technically Monday. Monday. Well, <laughs> Don't let people nothing, in the secret. Nothing to brighten up a Monday like Pi Day. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Well, then I guess like in the UK, because since the day comes before the month, today would be one four three. I love you day. Oh, you oh know? yeah, look I at that. that. Well, did not did y'all yeah. not do that in the UK? One four three. In like a text I prob- I'm sure other, I'm sure the other kids did, but what, <laughs> yeah, this sure as hell I wasn't included. <laughs> I think this is like old person pager code talk because that's where it, it first started. You'd be like, "Yo," and then my 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 little shorty in sixth grade would hit my little pager with one four three. That's you did not have a pager in sixth grade, Miles. Why? Oh, I did. I said I don't want anything except a pager, and my grandma. Come on, shout grandma. out you, Granny. Uh, rest in peace. She got me that because that's what grannies are supposed to do. They spoil you, even though they're like, yeah, what does he need a pager for? And she's like, he's good in school. He, he needs a pager. And I'm like, thank you. Gotta oh love, gotta love the grandparents. Okay, Oz, we're going to get to know you a little bit better. Aside from the fact that you're humble, you're modest, and you don't like to wave your awards in people's faces. But we're going to talk a little bit. Just give people a preview of what we're going to talk about. Just a quick heat check on Trump. You know, where is he at with everything? We like to always kind of just check in to see what's his is his death grip on the party still strong? Is it relaxing? Is it going to be the thing that brings the party? down? I don't know. Let's just look at a few dimensions and we'll go from there. We'll also talk about this idea of being a patriot at the pump, man. All these Americans are willing to pay higher gas prices to, you know, just to, to help in solidarity for the people of Ukraine. And to 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 give really to stick it to Putin. But is that is is this a is this from the gas industry? What are we talking about when we say we're being patriotic by enduring high prices? <laughs> I think yeah. that's more of a profiteering thing than anything. So we'll talk about that. Also, Joel, look, this is why I'm always like, come on, break break me off with something interesting. Cause you mm. know, I, I I have my head in the newspaper so much. Yeah, the literal newspapers all the time. <laughs> I don't know what's happening out there with the entertainment. And you got something interesting about Daniel Kaluuya. It's a, it's a bomb. When it hit yesterday, I said, what is happening? Okay. It's, we got we got to get to the bottom of it. Okay, so we're going to get to the bottom of it. We're going to find out what's going on with Daniel Kaluuya. We'll talk about all that plenty more. But first, Oz, what is something from your search history that's revealing about who you are, what you're into right now? Well... Funny you should ask. I um, have just started a new podcast company with Mangesh, who I know you know very well. Oh, yeah. Yay, and, we uh, love Mangesh. Oh, yeah. We <laughs> yes. love Mango. Shout out Mango. He, 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 he truly is my better half in this, uh, in this business. So I'm, I'm, I'm sorry for everyone that it's me, not him, um, sitting yeah. here. But he came up with the name for our company, which is Kaleidoscope. Right. And so I just saw the I saw the trades. I saw y'all sign a deal with WME, you know what I'm saying? I saw that. <laughs> I keep my ear to deadline. Keeping up with the trades, exactly. Yeah. And so we called the company Kaleidoscope and a lot of people asked us why we called it Kaleidoscope. And uh and so I've been doing some uh, homework after the fact on Kaleidoscopes. You <laughs> always the best time to do your homework after right. the exam. You're like 
the real answer? I thought it was a cool name. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, no, I mean, we, th- it is, it is, we thought it was a cool name. We like the idea of different perspective, of, of colors, of, you know, a moment of wonder, all that kind of thing. But it turns out that kaleidoscopes were actually invented in the Victorian era uh, at the same time the Industrial Revolution was happening. And so, you know, then there are all these new technologies like the steamship and telegrams and people moving to the city and rail and it was just a time when the kind of the world was being turned into data, much more crude data than now, but but where like basically there was all this stuff happening. And at the same time, all these new tools for looking at the world uh, came into existence. So the kaleidoscope, the telescope, the periscope, um, Sherlock Holmes' uh, very famous magnifying glass, sadly it's not another scope. But I think what we're hoping with the podcast we make for kaleidoscope will be kind of helping people make sense of the world, um, providing a new perspective. And we just thought it was interesting that, that this kind of bulge of, of new technologies to look at the world in new ways came about when everyone was struggling to process modernity. Right. And right now, like I think everyone's struggling to process post-modernity. So Damn. we hope that we'll make some podcasts that, you know, at the very least are provocative and, and, and fun and, and pay off our rather lofty name. I think it will. I mean, uh, I've with my limited experience in interacting with you, Oz. I mean, I I think we we caught each other in L.A. a couple months ago. We did, we you did. know. And I, between you and Mango, I feel like you will probably be able to deliver on that. And the explanation too, I was like, I'm sure people like in a in a meeting would be like, yeah, why kaleidoscope? I mean, like you know, just kind of how like it kind of gives you new perspective. You could twist it, and then one thing looks like this, and like, wow, that's cool. <laughs> but then you're talking about. No, nah, man, people are struggling to deal with post-modernity and then like, oh, my God. No, I, would, I wouldn't say that in L.A. normally, but we know each other well enough. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but I think that's that's a good, that's a really great uh, explanation. Oh, man, I used to, I used to love, I had this one kaleidoscope. I couldn't, I still think about how many hours I could look through a kaleidoscope, mm. like as a kid. And always be like, damn, it's like always different. Uh oh, you bought a bust out of glass. Oh. right here. Oh. And it is. How do I, I mean, look? You look well, I can't see you, but I can see a very beautiful pattern. <laughs> I mean, oh. ha- having a, a free toy that you can just spend hours looking through and seeing something new every second. Yeah. It's kind of amazing. Actually, these were the cell phones of the Victorian era. Parents and priests and moralists said that people were starting to ignore the real world, being seduced by their kaleidoscopes bumping their heads into walls as they wandered around because they were so obsessed by these dangerous toys. Wow. So it's interesting how history repeats itself again and again yeah. and again. Oh my God. Were you, there are probably like streetcar versus pedestrian incidents where like this person was just looking at their damn kaleidoscope, walked into yeah. the road. Exactly. Gotta keep your head up. And there was a scandal over the patents over who owned the kaleidoscope. There was some commercial litigation. The guy who invented the kaleidoscope, uh, as always happens, didn't profit from it, even though it became the most popular toy of the Victorian era. So... There's a lot of a uh, lot of world history buried in that, yeah. little, that little guy. <laughs> Who'd have thought? Who'd have thought? Oz, what's something you think is overrated? Well, turning the tone slightly bleaker than kaleidoscopes, I come from a Ukrainian. Uh, my grandfather was a Ukrainian refugee, and so uh, we don't have any family in Ukraine anymore. A couple of family friends have been. Mm-hmm. Watching that situation with with tremendous sadness and feeling conflicted on the one hand, you know, wanting to very much support the fight of the Ukrainians. On the other hand, being a bit worried about the Ukrainians being, you know, co-opted by, you know, the good guys uh, into into this 
war, which is going to be just a tremendous, tremendous cost to, to human life. So it's a very complicated situation. And I think mm -hmm. like the, um, you know, I think one of the things which is overrated is the, is the <laughs> violent hot take. And so when I saw that Facebook was making a special exception to allow hate speech temporarily on its platform, I thought that was pretty overrated. They said, yeah. as a result of the Russian invasion of Ukraine, we have temporarily made allowances for forms of political expression that would normally violate our rules, like violent speech, such as death to Russian invaders. We still won't allow credible calls for violence against Russian civilians. Now, I don't know how you define a credible call for violence against a Russian civilian, but the one person I wouldn't want to be making that judgment is Facebook. Yeah, absolutely. They have a pretty horrendous track record, it seems, when they're saying like, uh oh, this group of angry people kind of got away from us and now it's spilling into real world violence against, you know, groups of like innocent people. Yeah, it is. It is always interesting to see. I, and I, it, it was like a curious decision, right? Because do you think that's for them to sort of be able to begin to reason that there are acceptable forms of hate speech? You know what I mean? And I get like what your point is, right? Of course, people of Ukraine are going to look at a, an invasion of Russian military as being like, yo, fuck this, fuck these people, fuck all of this. And on one hand, I think that's where Meta, actually, fuck it, there's Facebook. <laughs> Facebook is like, hmm, like, I feel that. I feel that. I get, I get where they're coming from. But on the other hand, when it's just going to be like un, unleashed, untethered, like just absolute anger just directed at just the idea of Russians, then that's eventually going to cause problems. I mean, I think a lot of Asian American people already saw the fallout of people even calling the coronavirus China flu or say Wuhan flu and shit like that. And that even something that small can turn into hate crimes. Yeah, it, it feels like a bit of a slippery slope. It, it does. I know we're going to talk about patriotism at the gas pumps. I remember the uh, the boycott on French fries after 9-11 because the French right. didn't oh. want to join the invasion of Afghanistan. So and calling them, oh no, it wasn't that. It was the, the invasion of Iraq, I think. So yeah. they were rebranded as freedom fries. And and McDonald's have just, I think, closed down their their branches in in Moscow. I mean, none of this stuff is is straightforward, but the but the kind of nexus of online hate and conflict and I don't know. It's just I'm not. It's, there's no there's no right answer, but I just I don't think that the kind of the turning on the taps of the mob is particularly. I would say that is overrated. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, and it's dangerous, especially considering too. It's like okay, well, what happens in the summer of 2020 when you have something to say about the police who are also killing unarmed people? Yeah. Well, that's hate speech and that's dangerous. Like, well, what, where, uh, why are you the arbiters of this? And if it's, if one thing's bad, then it also, it always has to be bad. But I think that's the problem when you have profit minded companies trying to like parse through the discourse and be like, well, this doesn't work and this. And mm -mm 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 -mm. It's a very, it's almost like the internet's fucked up. And it's only exacerbated. <laughs> I don't know. That's my hot take for today. <laughs> the internet's fucked up. You heard it here first. You heard it here first. And this is the only place it's ever been muttered. Thank you. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's, it's, I think it, it's really, it's hard to watch too, because I think for me being from like my, like coming from an immigrant, uh, my mom's an immigrant. And just the idea of being out of a place that you consider your home and sort of looking on to watch like the destruction of a place that's very near and dear to you 
without any power over it. And you see all these people beginning to come in to figure out how they can sort of weaponize it for their own needs is really, really fucking hard to watch. And yeah, I, I, I just I, I pray for as much positivity for people who are like deeply emotionally affected by it. Because, yeah, I have a, a close friend of mine who's Ukrainian. It's very difficult for her to 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 watch along, especially, you know, she's from Odessa. And all the news oh, is like, no. Odessa's going to get smashed pretty soon. And that's a terrible thing. Like, I think most American people are completely disconnected from that because they're like, I don't know, I'm from, you know, like, like Chicago, like Joel, if you were like, Chicago was about to get the smash put on them, you'd be like, oh, my God, that's fuck, yeah. that's my home. But we're already beginning to see all the ignorance and how people view the conflict there versus in other parts of the world. It's become like this very... It's interesting what the pandemic has done for certain levels of awareness and then what this this invasion in Ukraine is also doing, like exposing the media's very fucked up, like Eurocentric, white centric bias as it relates to global like militarized conflict. And we'll talk about the gas and oil companies, too. Just everybody's (laughs) got something to talk about. Oz, what is something that you think is underrated? Well, continuing my vintage technology kick uh, with the kaleidoscopes and your a pager. I think alarm clocks are underrated. Mm. You know, we always read about how you shouldn't go to bed looking at your phone last thing at night and how you shouldn't look at your phone first thing in the morning. And I found myself feeling a little bit stressed recently. I thought, why don't I buy an alarm clock and not look at my phone last thing at night and first thing in the morning? Simply because, uh, you know, I have the excuse that I needed to because my alarm's on it. Right. Since buying the alarm clock, I put it next to my bed and I haven't used it once. <laughs> and <laughs> instead, <laughs> I, I've been doom scrolling morning and night. However, yeah. I think the moment I put my battery in that guy, I'm going to be feeling better. <laughs> yeah. It's hard to get off the as a doom scroll is dangerous. And it's especially when there's something fucked up uh, intersecting with something you care about. It's like the own. it's like, again, it's like the Internet's fucked up and gave us this secondary skill to be like, and now you will obsess over this. You'll, you're going to read the same headline written 40 different ways, but you're going to keep scrolling in the hopes that a new thing's going to show up to kind of begin to shift your focus, whether that makes it more positive or more cynical or nihilistic or whatever. And it's such a fucking it's a losing game. And yeah, it is hard to say, like, just to tell yourself, you know what? Get, you know, if I give myself some time, that dream scroll will be shorter because four things will have happened and I can absorb them all at once rather than making this a long People process. People used to watch the news once a day and or get our papers twice a day. You had a right. morning edition and an evening edition. And that was all, folks. What a beautiful time. Didn't appreciate it as it was happening. Would love it back. Turning off notifications has helped with the doom scrolling a lot. And I can't recommend it highly enough. Like, turn off your notifications every time. Because otherwise, every time you get that buzz, you're like, what's happening? What's going on? And I can easily lose an hour. You'll have like a physical response to your phone buzzing too. Like oh, yeah. it will, you'll be like, you'll be, get, you'll get anxious because your phone buzzed. Cause you're like, what does that have to do? Is this thing I don't want to talk about? Or is this thing that's causing me stress or whatever? And you don't want to be like that. I'd rather look at my phone and be like, oh, look, the screen has a bunch of notifications on. I'll get to that. <laughs> yeah. Rather totally. Yeah. I wanted to ask you, Oz, what kind of alarm is it the old eighties one that somehow still works for everybody? That's got the like almost alarm blare. Is it one of the new ones that does that sweet, like, lulling you awake kind of vibe? Or is it like an old school with the two bells on the top? Like, 
Oh, you real I mean? old school. Yeah. Well, like I, 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 I was, I was worried as ever. This particular anxiety I had when I was buying the alarm clock was: what if the ticking of the of the hand is too much to too much to handle? Mm-hmm, so mm-hmm. it's a it's a silent tick alarm clock. It looks like it's kind of got a vintage sort of air to it. Mm-hmm. But sadly, I've actually never heard it go off because I've been using my phone. So I'll report back. <laughs> if you guys ever invite me back on the show, yeah. that'll be the first. Uh, <laughs> I will make you hold it up <laughs> along with your Peabody Award. <laughs> yeah, from the front lines. <laughs> Present the awards and alarm clock, please. Uh, exactly. Uh, do you do... Okay, so you said you're failing at not looking at your phone before going to sleep. I've only recently began to... I just switched to my computer. <laughs> I'm not sure that counts. I know. I'm like, well, it's not my, com- it's not my phone. It's my computer. And it's a much larger image. I find it easier to fall asleep when I have a computer in front of me than my yeah. phone, which is really weird. I don't know why. But I do. I have gotten better at not waking up and immediately looking at the phone. Like, I like to wake up, feed my pets, go outside, kind of like stretch my body. And then... 15 minutes is passing. <laughs> so I don't know if any of Joel, do you have any, are you, are you, are you glued to that shit? Well, I have recently had to start meditating, which I think I've talked about on this show before every morning. And then anytime I'm close to like being too stressed out, I'm like, we're just going to stop and take five to 10 minutes. Yeah. Um, and I use the calm app to do that. So I'm trying to get in the habit of just like hit the calm app button, hit the meditation playlist and then put it down because I was having a problem of like rolling over, like deep scroll through Twitter, deep scroll through Instagram, like check right. out the stories like it was my morning news. And then I would play Wordle. And it was a problem. <laughs> right. Things were not getting done in the morning. So, yeah. So now I'm on like meditate, try to like shower, wake up and then just get out of my room as fast as possible. Right. Um, otherwise, it's an issue. And I can't be working in my room all the time anymore. It's no. mindfulness. It's so y'all. Mindfulness. Okay. Yeah. Uh, let's take a quick break, and we'll come back to just just check in on Trump's just a quick heat check, real quick. <laughs> All right, we'll be right back. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet. That's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President, Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. This is Neil Strauss, host of the Tenderfoot TV true crime podcast, To Live and Die in L.A. I'm here to tell you about the new podcast I've been undercover investigating for the last year and a half. It's called To Die For. Here's a clip. All these girls were sent out into the world and they were told, try to meet important men, try to attach yourself to important men. The voice you're hearing is a Russian model agent telling me about spies sent out to seduce men with political power. 
the war in Ukraine is also being fought by all these girls that are all over important cities. For the first time, a military-trained seduction spy reveals how the Russian government turned sex and love into a deadly weapon. If you want to kill your target, it's easy. You just seduce him, take him somewhere, start having sex, and then he's very vulnerable, so you can kill him easily. To Die For is available now. Listen for free on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Tamika D. Mallory. And it's your boy, my son, the general. And we are your host of TMI. New year, new name, new energy, but... Same old us. Oh, yeah. And catch us every Wednesday on the Black Effect Network, breaking down social and civil rights issues, pop culture, and politics in hopes of pushing our culture forward to make the world a better place for generations to come. But that's not all. We will also have special guests to add their thoughts on the topics, as well as break down different political issues with local activists in their community. If you like to be informed, And to expand your thoughts, listen to TMI on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. That's right. I'm Elliot Connie, and this is Family Therapy. My best hopes, I guess, identify the life that I want and, and work towards it. I never seen a man take care of my mother the way she needed to be taken care of. I get the impression that you don't feel like you've done everything right as a father. Is that true? That's true. And I'm not offended by that. Thank you for for going through those things and thank you for overcoming them. Wow. Thank God for the limits. Every time I have one of our sessions, our sessions be positive. It just keeps me going. I feel like my focus is redirected in a different aspect of my life now. So... How'd we do today? We did good. The Black Effect presents Family Therapy. Listen now on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. And we're back. Time for a heat check. Trump. Okay, last week, he had, he had, oh man, this is quite a week for him last week on Wednesday, last Wednesday, he was talking about all the, during the Texas Republican primaries, like everybody I picked, they're winning so well. They're doing so, so great. He couldn't have been doing better. You know, he left out the part where most of them are running unopposed, but sure. Uh, de facto <laughs> kingmaker here. And he also conveniently ignored how many of his other handpicked candidates were not doing that great. Like David Perdue, who he is trying to sick on uh, his arch nemesis, Governor Brian Kemp in the governor's race for Georgia, because Brian Kemp famously refused to rat fuck the election for Donald Trump. So Trump is now just doing using the strategy of like, well, then you're my enemy and I'll send a bunch of unqualified candidates who don't have as great a chance of winning after you to create more intraparty fighting. And, you know, a few years ago, his endorsement meant a lot. Like, you know, it was the kind of thing that a lot of elected people would be like, well, oh God, I got to get that endorsement. If he goes against, if he picks this other person, then I'm cooked. But that potency has decreased a bit. And now that he's out of office, his strategy just seems to be really 
just to use his endorsement as an attack against other Republicans that he has deemed disloyal. So not a great strategy if you're looking at the long term, but a great strategy if you just want to serve your ego, which I'll give him that. That's his uh, superpower. And aside from that, I think we're also seeing that there's a lot of a lot of Republicans who are really trying to distance themselves from Trump's pro-Putin comments that it's becoming a little more clear that there's like this openness to disagreeing in public with the former president. And now that's probably because support for Putin is already just very low outside of like the OAN and Newsmax and like Fox News crowd. But this like people like this, you have Representative Mike Simpson, a Republican from Idaho, says, quote, I agree with Pence that there's no room in our party for apologists for Putin. Again, that's a direct shot at Trump. And like people followed up that question when he said, "Okay," when he said he agrees with Mike Pence that there's no room for Putin apologists. When he was asked, like, is that sort of the wider sentiment, like in most of the Republican conference, the journalist asked, he said, yep, (laughs) yep, that's pretty much the widely held consensus. Uh, John Katko from New York, another Republican, he was more direct. He said Putin isn't a genius and neither is Trump. So I think it's an easy win for Republicans because it's such a clear thing. Like you're like, you don't there. You're not intellectually built to try and argue why. Putin is a genius and why that's good for everything that you stand for as as a politician. But like, so I'm not holding my breath in the sense that I'm like, oh, the tide is turning. But it is clear that they do see that it's a it's very problematic for them to take that sort of idea on and, and sort of campaign on it. Because I look back at a few years ago and you have people like Lindsey Graham who would bend over backwards trying to defend his like overtly racist remarks. And you're like, holy shit. He's got everybody like lockstep with this nonsense. But I think this one, it's like just so it's so obvious that this isn't that's this ain't the take for the party to be hopping in on. And it is bad. I just want to point out, like, it gets pretty bad when you have people like Sean Hannity, who are essentially begging Trump to, you know, maybe condemn Vladimir Putin. Let's hear that. You came under some fire when you said that. Vladimir Putin's very smart. I think I know you a little bit better than most people in the media, and uh, I think you also recognize he's evil, do you not? Well, I was referring to the fact that he said this is an independent nation, talking about Ukraine, and I said, that's some said, this is before there was any attack, attack. He's calling it an independent nation. Now, a lot of things are changing. When you look, this doesn't seem to be the same Putin that I was dealing with. But I will tell you, he wouldn't have changed if I were dealing with him. He wouldn't have changed. You know, I supplied and I know uh, Biden is trying to take credit and they're all trying to take credit about. Okay, so now he just starts. He completely missed that off ramp for him to take. And he just goes on to be like, you know, I got he goes on to be like the javelin anti-tank busters. I gave them that. And Hannity's even like, oh, my God, bro. Like, please, this let me try one more time. Like. The the interview goes on for a little bit more and Hannity tries fucking one more time. He's like, here, here it is again. I'm going to put put the point out that it's you do not want to agree with this person. You want to be opposed to the actions of Vladimir Putin. Maybe this will be the time he starts to listen. Uh, Maybe not. Let me go back then to the issue of the criticism, because um, I've known you well over 25 years and. Uh, when you got criticized for saying that Vladimir Putin is smart, 
Um, we've had many conversations, um, and you've often quoted to me Sun Tzu, the art of war. Keep your friends close <laughs> and your enemies closer. Is that how you viewed Vladimir? Did you view Vla uh, Vladimir Putin and people like President Xi and Kim Jong-un and the Iranian mullahs as enemies that you needed to keep close? I got along with these people. I got along with them well. That doesn't mean they're good people. It doesn't mean uh, anything other than the fact that I understood them and perhaps they understood me. Maybe they understood me even better. That's okay. Because they knew there'd be a big penalty. Anyway, so he goes on to not Fucking condemn idiot. anything and just says, actually, I'm really good homies with them. Thank you for bringing that up. <laughs> and he really did the thing where he was trying to do like when I'm sure in the past when he said racist stuff and you got to be like, hey, man, I've known you a long time. And I know that's not your heart. You know what I mean? Because you've hired black people in the past. So how, how do you feel when people tell to try and paint your words like that? And then you'd be like, exactly. You know, I've been a big supporter, blah, blah, blah. He couldn't even do that in this instance. He's, I think very much locked into this idea that it's only him that could have prevented an invasion because he was so close with Vladimir Putin. And that's essentially the, the, uh, the, the, the track he's on at the moment. That's hilarious. Just because I, I don't know. Trump, Trump is such a wild figure to me because he lacks any kind of actual charisma. Like he's not good at giving speeches, even the ones pre-written for him. He's not. Right. People tune out like after 15 minutes. <laughs> he's not attractive in the way you would think like a, a oh it's like a sterling political figure like well, he's got a strong jaw and like a face you could trust or something and like every time he opens his mouth he sounds like an idiot uh and yet there are still people clamoring to hear him speak that's uh it's a trip it's i i think but it's there's something even the way hannity was talking right he's there was like a this level of defeat it was almost like Hannity was there to try and like prop up this old like punch drunk boxer that he used to idolize and is slowly realizing he's just a regular creepy old racist guy and there's not much he can do. I, I guess also you have to think that probably Tucker and Hannity are, you know, desperate to have Trump condemn Putin now because I think they're going to be stuck with with their own support of Putin around their necks, mm -hmm. you know, mm -hmm. and it's going to make 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 their lives make their lives difficult i mean i think you know tucker in particular i don't know if he has designs on on office or not but it feels like uh the the, the real you could do of you know praise for putin and denial the ukrainian invasion was about to happen is not going to be very helpful so i guess they they probably want to get trump to uh denounce putin so that they can kind of sweep this whole uncomfortable dalliance under the under the rug but i, I gather some i mean there are some people who are rallying around Trump in the Republican Party and, and still kind of supporting Putin, which is, right. I mean, let alone from a you know moral, ethical, geopolitical standpoint, just from a you know self-interested point of view, it's very hard to understand. Yeah, and I think it's because it's these like Marjorie Taylor Greene and Madison Cawthorn types who, you know, Marjorie Taylor Greene was at like a total fascist event that are like, you know, a white nationalist group that loves Putin. And when she was speaking, they were chanting his name and she was just like, she didn't bat an eye at that. And people were like, what the fuck? Madison Cawthorn, we talked about last week, how he was saying like Zelensky's a thug and actually like Ukraine is so corrupt that it's and <laughs> they push woke ideologies that this is a good thing that Putin yeah. is doing. And you're like, dude, you don't even know what you're saying. I think you just I think you're such on autopilot of being like, I just have to agree with what a, whatever Trump says. And that's how I keep going without any understanding, again, of like 
the geopolitical nature of this, what the outcomes could mean for anything and just being like, I don't know, man, I just do whatever Trump does. And then but I like, think it's oh. also important to realize that these folks really view themselves as part of like an oligarchical society. Like they think like having money is, makes you a better human being. And I think that many of them are hoping for a Putin victory and like all they talk about is is a global shift in right. a, like fascist direction and so this is the start of that and i think they're excited about it i don't think that there's any thought other than this is our chance to win and see this swift change brought here which is Right. Because if you can normalize. Yeah. yeah, They want to normalize, especially a lot of like the cracking down on like dissident voices or LGBTQ people. And they're like, whoa, we fucking love that. Oh, we love that. You know what? I actually like. And that's a lot of the talking points you hear like on OAN. They're like, I mean, look at what he's against. You know, like that really aligns with a lot of the stuff we're talking about. So why Mm. shouldn't we be there? But that's not the case here. So anyway, back to Trump, though. His his brand like the other thing about just sort of his brand waning right is like Truth Social his whole like fucking you know Twitter clone that was supposed to upend the, the whole discourse of the internet came out it was a total wet fart everyone like could barely register <laughs> it was like a waiting line that's like a half million people long and like people are still barely able to use it and if you look at it it's it's pretty much a failure by all measures Trump barely uses it. Melania has publicly said that Parler is her official home. His kids don't use it. Many big name media personalities in the conservative like take a sphere do not use it either. And the ones that do like they get very little engagement on it and don't seem that excited. And again, I think this shows another aspect of it that the brand isn't as strong as it used to be, especially when you consider that like the main attraction to this is just being like, hey, Trump's here. Huh? Come on, but folks. the only thing Trump's been good at selling ever is merchandise and reality TV. Like, there's not a success story in anything he's ever sold aside from that. So it's still wild to see that people were like, "It's gonna work." It's like, no, he's never properly invested in a company ever. Yeah, it's, it's a stupid and, idea. And again, I think the other part of that too is like, I, I think he, he, the people behind that social app and a lot of the stuff, these like Republicans who want to set up like these safe spaces for racists and fascists is that they really don't like Republicans in this country. They just derive their sense of self from merely being like the antithesis of whatever Democrats are like. They can only mm-hmm. define themselves in relation to this other thing. They have no identity aside from no, we're the party of regressing. So if there's progress there, the only thing we know how to do is just like try and rein it in and slam on the brakes. We don't really have anything to add outside of being like, no, not this thing they're talking about over there. And again, it shows they have no inch. So they're not interested in an echo chamber. They need these environments where they get to argue with liberals. That's the only, that's their, their lifeblood. And I think they're also failing to understand. It's like, we don't give a fuck about a place where I can use like racial slurs without being banned. Like, I get off on saying those to liberals. That's how my life works. So it's a bit of a balancing act that I, I think they're struggling with. And it, it, again, it doesn't help when the first lady's like, oh, fucking truth, I use parlor. Like, <laughs> like, what? They can't even get on the same page with their marketing. And lastly, when you talk about products, he's also begging for jet money, which was a huge thing. He was at a, a fundraising event in Louisiana and a jet he was on had like an engine failure and they were forced to have an emergency landing on his way back to Florida. And I apparently freaked the fuck out of him. The next day there's emails going out to all the supporters being like, 
We're going to need a little. How would you like to participate in funding the new Trump Force One project? And it's and again, most people pointed out that that 757 that he was going around during the, the 2016 campaign. That's like in a fucking hangar in New York. That's like beyond repair. The fucking one engine needs to be replaced. One of them isn't even like on the fucking plane. So he's been framing this as, and also this is a new Air Trump Force one that I've been working on in secret. So even the media doesn't even know about it. No, dude, you panicked no. on your fucking P jet because <laughs> the engine went down and now you're trying to grift for your own jet money. You ain't got no money. Yeah. You ain't got no money. And, that's, and oh, he's using man. it on jets. The fuck? So I don't know. It's interesting to keep our eyes on this one. And again, watching how the conversation is like shifting. And there's like this one brief moment of like bipartisanship and like that most of the Republican establishment is like, no, we agree. Yeah. Uh, invasion of Ukraine is bad. We do. We agree on that, which is very hate seeing white people at war really tears them apart. Oh, God. Those kids have blue eyes. I mean, <laughs> I had them. I have blue eyes, you know, there's never been a war in Europe before. It's it's new to us. It's totally uh, foreign. Can never can, couldn't imagine. It happens to brown people. Ugh, awful. You hate it's to see yeah. it. And that's all the weirdest. The one of the weirdest ones is I think one of the French. I know it's the French foreign minister or some French minister said they drive cars like us. Like, Stop it. What the hell Stop. Does that no. Mean? They also, like no! cars like us. What did you think Ukraine was before this, too? Like, did you oh, just God. assume it was the Stone Age? And then you're like, <laughs> they drive cars like us. Oh, fuck. Uh, yeah. Not to mention, but, yeah, anyway. So that's where that, uh, that's where we are with old Trumper. We'll see. We'll, we'll obviously keep an eye on that because the, there, oh, another poll came out that said him and Joe Biden are in a, a deadlock in a potential, you know, speculative presidential election poll. Um, okay. But at that point, I hope Joe Biden is not running again. That's not what we need. So I want to talk about this. Uh, we're talking about patriots at the pump, right? And talking about all the ways in which different people are using this crisis in Ukraine for their own nefarious aims. And the oil and gas lobby is working overtime to use this crisis as an opportunity to further their own greed. I think one of the most common things we've been seeing is this sentiment that accepting rising gas prices is actually a patriotic act since, you know, we're, we're, we need to go without so that we can help others out. And I think they love this one because it's really easy. They're already, you know, they're already raking in record profits. Okay. And I think people here ban on Russian gas and most people wouldn't think twice to even know how much gas we actually import from Russia. It accounts for about 8% of our supply. And the U.S. produces, again, just a side note, enough oil to cover domestic needs, but we do import a ton of petroleum products still. And because the global market is affected by the disruptions and we do import petroleum products, those disruptions in supply, the logic here is, well, well, the prices are all just going to go up. And I think most people have accepted that. And this is really just pure greed. You know, like this is this is a this is an industry that was clearing over two hundred billion dollars in profits at the end of last year. And this is just price gouging. They found an opportunity to sort of insert this narrative of like, granted, yes, the market is being disrupted, but there's no room for them to eat into their two hundred billion dollars in profits to make things easier. Or there's the choice to just extract as much money out of consumers as possible. And I think that's where things get a little bit murky. And it's tough when you have people like Stephen Colbert and George Takei, who like for liberals are like, 
hey, what do they have to say? And they're even saying the same shit. It's like, you know, we got to accept these higher prices. You know, it's just something we got to do. And I think this is also this really helps Democrats, too, because it's also a very tidy way for them to attach an external problem to explain like inflation and their lack of control over greedy corporations. They're like, ah, it's just this conflict, you know, so we got to we got to do what's right. You know, there's going to be a little bit of pain for working people. A lot of pleasure if you're in the C-suite at a fucking uh, fossil fuel company. Yeah. And it's just given a lot of like the these talking points to be marched out by gas and oil bootlickers. Like you hear this thing of like the Keystone XL pipeline. This that would have defeated Putin if we just didn't <laughs> block that because of darn fucking like environmentalist hippies. That is not a production pipeline. There's no additional oil come because the Keystone like they don't again, people just say this and they don't talk about the Keystone XL was to move oil from Canada to like Texas to be refined and then shipped abroad. It wasn't because the Keystone XL was like, oh man, we got this whole gas station called Keystone XL that we haven't turned on. And we get all this kind of oil and gas lobby talking points being injected into the discourse to tell us that, you know, we need more fossil fuel when in fact it sounds like we need less. I thought one of the most cynical little moments that's come out of the last uh, month or so was the, uh, like normalizing of relations between the US and Venezuela. So, you know, obviously Venezuela was a pariah state and, uh, you know, Maduro was an unacceptable dictator and the US foreign policy establishment had to support the opposition. And now all of a sudden it's fine. Maduro's a great guy. He's released political prisoners and Venezuelan oil and gas is going to be coming onto the market in the US. And it's like, Fair enough. Like it's good. It's good to be looking for alternative oil and gas sources, I guess, to make sure that right. people don't have to pay the price of the pump, etc. But like, just the like the one eighty, one eighty, no yeah. explanation. Just like, oh, actually, like situation has changed. So this person who was an unacceptable dictator is now a great person right. to do business with. It's just like, I don't know. I I, I don't understand. There's no why, why politicians can't treat citizens like adults. I mean, if they explain, right. okay, look, he's still not a great guy. Here's a situation, we're going to do business with them. It's like, okay, probably get that. But like, there's just like total about face. Like, right. it's almost like, you know, some kind of weird gaslighting that like how quickly the, it oh, can yeah. change, like who's in and who's out. I 100%. Mean, you had people being like, Maduro is killing his people with socialism. I mean, a roll of toilet paper <laughs> costs $9,000. This is this and this is why we don't want to go down that path and mistreat our people to I love him. <laughs> and that is, I think, I, you know, if the media was a little bit more, you know, less controlled by corporate interests, they'd probably point that out in their coverage. They'd say, why have we gone from saying, look at this place over here? It's a mess. They're evil. We shouldn't sanction them to fucking hell. But then suddenly we found a way to completely shift of the perception from a policy perspective and say like, no, this is actually great. They're, they've been the coolest people forever. And this is all fantastic. And I think that's the other part of like all this, this maneuvering that happens politically, because going into midterms, you don't, you're trying to figure out what's the best form of leadership. Do you, are, do you make gas prices cheaper? Do you just say, fuck, well, cause the corporations are literally just trying to offset like, you know, the lost profits from 2020 and coming back with a vengeance now by bringing raising prices. Do we what do we do with that? And I think it's really difficult 
for just like everyday people to kind of see like the contradictory uh, talking points and policies that have been happening this whole time. This also seems like a real big missed opportunity for Democrats to like reach out to their base. Mm -hmm. The idea that like at this point in time, Democrats could very loudly be saying like, not only do you not need to raise your gas prices, but what alternative fuel options can we be investing in at this time? Like we are literally exiting a global changing event. Mm -hmm. Now is the time to like hop on new ideas. And, and, and I think that people are very much prepared to embrace them, specifically folks who lost so much money during the pandemic. Like there's a complete disconnect between it's patriotic to spend more money on gas. And some people have been jobless for the last two and a half years and you gave them, what, $1,600? Mm-hmm. There's not, there's... Well, I mean, 2000 This is why count, we're always... Well, 2000 <laughs> if you count that other 400 from oh, earlier. Oh, okay. Let's not yeah. I mean, I did say 2000 uh, to get people it to the polls. did buy the groceries for a month right. for a family right. of three, maybe. It's bizarre to me, uh, specifically considering that we are the Democratic, like, there's not there's not enough space between like Democrats and Republicans as far as like voting goes right now. You've mm-hmm. got midterms coming up and they're really just sitting on their hands when there seems to be an abundant opportunity to like make a statement to their people be like, hey, we're here for you. We can right. do things better, differently and save you money, which everyone enjoys. E- every person is like, oh, we're going to not have to spend so much money. Perfect. Well, and I think there's bill like, you know, Ro Khanna has introduced a bill that would essentially that's being sponsored by like Bernie and like Elizabeth Warren and a few other people that is essentially to tax like the windfall profits of the oil and gas companies at like 50 percent and then redistribute those funds in the form of quarterly checks to people like at the same thresholds that the stimulus checks were saying the income thresholds again, similar, you know, 75,000 for individuals, 150 for couples and it would basically be anywhere between 204, like around 250 bucks a year for a person per quarter that you would get from basically being like, all right, we skimmed the the oil and gas corporate po- profits and there it is. Now we'll see where that goes because obviously Republicans, the last thing they're going to be like, what are you talking about? But I think we really need to have a lot like this larger conversation about a like you're saying, we need to get the fuck away from fossil fuels. And this industry is built on extracting not only just massive resources out of the ground, but squeezing people for every single dollar they have while also contributing to earth death. Like the the, earth death is a big one. The absurdity of it all is one that's not being examined close enough. And I think while it's commendable to merely say like, yeah, man, we got to take some of this money. It's like, no, we need to fucking nationalize this industry at the very least. This is like too much shit depends on this. And at the same time, it's also the, the, the cause of and solution to all of our problems, apparently. Not Homer Simpson. Yeah. Oh boy. Oof. So keep your eye. Keep your eye there. All right. Uh, let's take a quick break and we'll be right back to talk, you know, lighter fare. This is Neil Strauss, host of the Tenderfoot TV true crime podcast to live and die in L.A. I'm here to tell you about the new podcast I've been undercover investigating for the last year and a half. It's called To Die For. Here's a clip. All these girls were sent out into the world and they were told, try to meet important men, try to attach yourself to important men. The voice you're hearing is a Russian model agent telling me about spies sent out to seduce men with political power. 
the war in Ukraine is also being fought by all these girls that are all over important cities. For the first time, a military-trained seduction spy reveals how the Russian government turned sex and love into a deadly weapon. If you want to kill your target, it's easy. You just seduce him, take him somewhere, start having sex, and then he's very vulnerable, so you can kill him easily. To Die For is available now. Listen for free on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Elliot Connie, and this is Family Therapy. My best hopes, I guess, identify the life that I want and, and work towards it. I never seen a man take care of my mother the way she needed to be taken care of. I get the impression that you don't feel like you've done everything right as a father. Is that true? That's true. And I'm not offended by that. Thank you for, for going through those things and thank you for overcoming them. Wow. Uh, thank God for the limits. Every time I have like one of our sessions, our sessions be positive. It just keeps me going. I feel like my focus is redirected in a, in a different aspect of my life now. So, How'd we do today? We did good. The Black Effect presents Family Therapy. Listen now on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Tamika D. Mallory. And it's your boy, my son, the general. And we are your hosts of TMI. New year, new name, new energy, but... Same old us. Oh, yeah. And catch us every Wednesday on the Black Effect Network, breaking down social and civil rights issues, pop culture, and politics in hopes of pushing our culture forward to make the world a better place for generations to come. But that's not all. We will also have special guests to add their thoughts on the topics, as well as break down different political issues with local activists in their community. If you like to be informed, and to expand your thoughts, listen to TMI on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. That's right. The Therapy for Black Girls podcast is an NAACP and Webby award-winning podcast dedicated to all things mental health, personal development, and all of the small decisions we can make to become the best possible versions of ourselves. Here... We have the conversations that help Black women decipher how their past inform who they are today and use that information to decide who they want to be moving forward. We chat about things like how to establish routines that center self-care, what burnout looks and feels like, and defining what aspects of our lives are making us happy and what parts are holding us back. I'm your host, Dr. Joy Harden-Bradford, a licensed psychologist in Atlanta, Georgia. And I can't wait for you to join the conversation every Wednesday. Listen to the Therapy for Black Girls podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Take good care, and we'll see you there. And we're back. It's time for some some Hollywood talk. You know, what's... Joelle... Well, I, when you came, 
when you first hopped on the Zoom call, I was like, what's going mm-hmm. on? And you said, did you hear about this Daniel Kaluuya thing and his life strategist? And I was like, hold on. I only understood the Daniel Kaluuya part. What is What else <laughs> is going on? So there's big news for people who don't know Daniel Kaluuya. Most memorably, I think, for people who aren't, if you don't know his name and immediately know who that is from Get Out and, you know, many other films. But to keep it simple, Daniel Kaluuya is having a bit of a controversial career shift, career shakeup or something. There's a lot (laughs) happening around him. A career shift is such a nice way to put it. And I want to first state that a lot of these details are new and incoming. And so I'm going to do my best to just give you what facts we have and Mm -hmm. we'll lightly speculate okay okay so here's what's happening daniel clay star right he's been in so many iconic movies black panther get out he's doing dope with jordan peele next it, the hottest thing happening right now mm-hmm. his team similar team to steven spielberg so i think they had the same agents a couple of months ago he fired everybody whole team gone and they have all confirmed they're no longer working and by team we typically mean like a manager agent publicist publicist all of them checked out and gone which is bananas right he's replaced reportedly Uh his team with a self-help guru i think they called her like a gem specialist named air holiness that's h-e-i-r no Apparently, she also goes by Air Princess. She is 50. She describes herself as headmistress for the international alma mater of Blessed University. What it is, we don't know. Okay, headmistress. Yeah. Yeah. Does she... Oh, no, go on. I'll, I'll just lay it out and then I'll have my questions after. I'm sorry. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. More questions keep popping up as you describe this. That's okay. So a CAA spokesperson told the Post, I can confirm that Jenny Cloulet is not a client of the agency any longer. Her holiness has marginalized DK's usual team. This is according to the Post and page six. Okay. Very, very, you know. Consistent yeah, yeah. sources. But, you know, again, we'll lightly speculate. We'll lightly speculate. Yeah, we're lightly speculating. A source has said Air Holiness has taken over his life. Now, she had posted on her Instagram earlier, basically being like, oh, I work with Daniel and I love it and it's great. Then she pulled that and said she never worked with Daniel. So what is the truth? We don't know. My most interesting like speculation on this is that apparently having her around the set of Nope was a nightmare the quote from the insider is, I've heard there were multiple blowups and the production people were afraid of her. There's another rumor that she ran off another girl that he was seeing and that apparently it's just her and him now. Uh, they've been seen hot air ballooning. What? So is it romantic? Is it spiritual guidance? Is okay. it even, ha- does she even really work for him? We don't know. Wait, so- but. But we know that they are physically, they, they do know each other and they do interact. We have seen them in photos together, both in public spaces and it looks like on set in a makeup room. But we're trying to figure out, is she Cardinal Richelieu to his Louis the Fourteenth? Exactly. Okay, for all my, French, my, my French history fans out there. <laughs> is she in his ear, the one pulling the strings behind the scenes and merely he is the vessel for her, her aims? Is she even, like, does she even have any, like, real functional experience representing okay, talent, or so she's, she some has, part, she's literally Air Jordan or Air Holiness or whatever. <laughs> Air Jordan. Uh, there were, okay, so where did I put this article? I'm like you, a tabby cat, 7,000 tabs. I know. Somewhere it says that she has a PhD in 
not metaphysics, but something. Hold on, I have it here. But that's not, but that isn't entertainment business accounting. Oh, definitely not that. Definitely nothing that we can see. Uh, Also, her real name is Vanyola Salima Mahmoud. Okay. And she's Air Princess and Air Air Princess 50. Here's a quote from her Instagram account. I'm just a spiritual gangster serving a life sentence in a human body. Well put. Okay. <laughs> it is funny. I mean, when you think about the, the Hollywood system, when you when you go to LA and like it slowly starts to unfurl itself and you realize that like every quote unquote talent has like an Asian and a manager and a publicist and a lawyer, all of right. whom are, you know, on the <laughs> on the on the gravy train. And so you know, this idea that just clearing out the whole uh, slate and, and putting everything in Air Holiness's uh, hands, you can kind of probably yeah. understand some of the temptation. But um, I mean, it's such a yeah. such a strange system to begin with. And I mean, didn't um didn't didn't Johnny Depp isn't he in some kind of litigation with his manager who like ended up spending all of his money? I mean, it it's like it seems. Well, to I mean, be a like lot of people sto- end up getting fucked over by you know seemingly trustworthy handlers or team members or whatever so in a way um, you may as well just jump in at the deep end with the spiritual gangster serving a life sentence in a human yeah, body fuck I mean, why it. Not? <laughs> you're like i heard bill murray doesn't have any reps and he <laughs> handles all his shit by himself you're like i might as well i look i could do that with the help of air holiness <laughs> crystal guidance anna just put into the chat that she says her online bio says that she has quote a bs ms and phd in holistic health parapsychic science from the Seriously? american institute of holistic theology uh, no. And she is skilled in wellness coaching, executive coaching, spiritual healing. These are all capitalized. Energy healing and building <laughs> relationships, among other things. Okay. Daniel, please let us know what's going on. Yeah, it's interesting to me, the sort of like fan reaction, because we can't nail down specifically and because this is page six and we can only take it with so much seriousness. The conversation has sort of turned to who's this older woman taking over his life. Or is this his get out character coming back to haunt him? Oof. Someone was like, flash a camera in his eyes. Is he there? Right. Like, excessive. But I think we saw similar conversations around Aaron Taylor Johnson, who has a 24 year age difference between him and his wife. They are still very much in love. They got kids together. They've been together for over a decade. Right. You know, and I, but also it's Hollywood and we've seen multiple times grifters come in and sort of take over a person's life and not just steal money, but, you know, derail the direction of their career. And Daniel Kaluuya is such a, a celebrated black actor. He's so extremely talented that I think it's kind of daunting for a lot of people to consider that perhaps like the best is over for Daniel if, or, if all know, the stories are true. Or he just has trash taste in picking a partner. I mean, who among you know? us? And that's has and that's it, you know. But it, but it also sounds like the kind of thing where they're like, "Yo, he's caught up with I don't like her," and they're like, mm. "Man, he fired me." And then you come back like, "We're really worried about him." And he might just be like, "Yo, dude, I'm kind of into this freaky older lady who heals me with crystals and shit." That's kind of mm-hmm. it. I'm still a good actor. Still, I'm not fucking up my career. I just this is who I rock with now, and I'm sorry if it's hard for y'all to accept that. I don't know. <laughs> It'll be interesting to see once the dope press tour starts, how that plays out, if she's around. I feel like that's usually the part right. where partners of this ilk get uh, troublesome. It's like when they're in the room with the press and they're like talking over their partner like and Eladia answers Baldwin. for them. Yeah. 
when she was like in the street trying to defend him after the rush unit, oh, like God. you don't even know the name of the person. He's like, all right, Hilaria, Hilaria, stop, stop, stop. <laughs> <laughs> <Just> let me handle this. Or like he comes on, like Daniel's doing press, and he's like, he's like wearing all these robes and shit and like flowy scarves, and they're like, sir. He's like, please call me Airness. And you're like, I'm oh, the reincarnation. <laughs> that's when maybe we can start wearing. But yeah, I. It's I, I'm 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 always curious. I always like seeing people's interesting career moves and relationships. But I don't know what's what's your feeling on this. Do you think that this is a person who's grifting? Is Daniel just doing his thing and he's kind of making a weird decision and he likes this person and everything's all good? He just has trash taste and that's upsetting people. Or you think well, what do you think's going on? Initial reaction was this is bad and Daniel get out. No pun mm-hmm. intended. Mm-hmm. I'm a woo girl, and so it's hard for me to be like, she uses crystals. She's crazy. I have crystals. I've done some tarot readings before. You know, I like the woo-woo things. So you get I, I really, yeah. <laughs> totally. So I don't, I don't know. What's been most interesting to me is her denial of it, of even working for him. Right. right? She, I mean, I mean, and even further, she was like, people say I work with Daniel Kalei. That's wild. I would love to work with him. Almost as if she doesn't know him. But again, we've seen pictures, but also pictures are faked so well today that you always have to take that with a grain of salt. Is it a deep fake? Can you imagine? He's like, that's my auntie. Right? If he comes back, he's like, I've never seen this woman in my entire life. What are y'all talking about? (laughs) But I guess it says something much larger about the way we view celebrities and that we really need them to be okay in order to support what's happening like, in order to, like, invest in their career decisions, right? Like, right. if you think Dana Kluwe's gone off the deep end with this woman who's scamming him, like, can you take his films seriously? And I think every day I understand more and more celebrities, like, desire to completely disconnect from their fan base because we're kind of involved at a level that doesn't allow them to move with any kind of comfort. Like, if you make a mistake, and I don't mean in the, like cancel culture blah 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 bullshit I, yeah, I don't but you're just so deeply scrutinized in general yeah yeah that this, it's hard to just breathe and be like oh well, i want to try this thing is that is that going to work for me or well my fans hate that i did that i have to now make a, a stupid false apology about something i was interested in like that's it's messy man and so i don't know i hope he's all right i hope it's not a scam i like a lot of his movies yeah but I, mean, I think i also think it's easier because daniel Clay constantly plays characters that black culture criticizes in a very intense way so like you're dating a white girl oh when he like fucked up he betrayed his friend in black panther and then his wife had to come collect him with their pet at the end like he's constantly playing these characters where we're like that's us why would you do that (laughs) and so i think that kind of bleeds into his real life too a little bit yeah i kind of low-key i kind of want him to i I like the idea that air holiness uh, that there's something really weird going on and maybe he's just also like nah man i'm I'm really into, I'm like, I'm done acting. Like, I'm all about the air now. I'm airbending. Listen, okay, I could, I could see it. Well, thank you so much, Joelle and Oz, for joining me today to talk just a, the, whole, the whole spectrum of, of topics uh, today <laughs> on Monday to start the week off. Uh, Oz, where can people find you and follow you? And, and is there any uh, tweets that you've laughed at or just enjoyed in general? You can find me on Twitter, Oswaloshin, and uh, my dear friend Kara, who I the sleepwalkers podcast with her her twitter always keeps me very entertained and one of her latest gems was uh, about milk you know you're old when somebody calls regular milk 
classic milk. <laughs> so, <laughs> as we've classic from, milk. <laughs> as we've gone from skim to soya to almond and now oat. Uh, wow. Just a nice glass of classic oh, milk. Classic. Analog alarm clock. Pager. Yeah. Oh, man. <laughs> what could be better? Shout out to classic milk. You know, <laughs> all about the classics. <laughs> you know me. Joelle, how about you? Where are you at? Where they follow you? Where mm. they hear you? What's the tweet you like? Joel Monique, you can follow me all over the internet at Joel Monique. It's J-O-E-L-L-E-M-O-N-I-Q-U-E. Some classic tweets. Alan Menken, the genius, tweeted yesterday, I strongly oppose the Don't Say Gay Bill in Florida. I hope my friends and colleagues within the Disney family will join me in saying so publicly. Come collect your folks, Disney people. The yeah. time is now. We have to make change or children will die. Andrea J. Phillips tweeted, Dropping my son off at high school this a.m. and noticed every student was using both straps. That said, when I was in high school, late 80s, early 90s, everyone wore their backpacks slung over one shoulder. And it was considered the height of nerdiness to use both straps. Yeah. Please back me up. To which I say, A, yes, I was there and I saw it and that was real. You did not imagine it, Andrea. We were only using one strap. But on the other hand, I really hope children continue to use both straps. You don't need back problems in your early 20s. It's stupid, okay? Your books are very heavy. Use both straps. Yeah. Don't let people consider you a nerd. Live free, children. You guys are doing so much better than we did. I'm so proud of you. I remember when people started, like, I remember rolly bags starting showing up, like, towards Oof. the end of my academia career. And I was like, you will get flambéed. <laughs> pulling up in here with that old grandma's grocery cart of a backpack. Are you serious? Not a hot Come look. on, everybody walk with one droopy shoulder because you got 70 <laughs> pounds of books on one fucking part of your body. Messenger bags came into fashion when I hit high school, had one, begged my mother. She got me a nice leather one. It was pretty. Oh. Hurt my back so much. So oh, much. It was one, not right. even distribution. Nope. Did not help. Really, really effed me up. Especially Use if backpack. you're like a kid who didn't go. I barely went to my locker. Because that would eat into my time during in between mm -hmm. class, like during nutrition, just fuck around with my friends. So I carried all my books at once. And that shit was oh, a no. nightmare. I strategically left my books in different classrooms because teachers liked me. I'll be like, go. yo, man, can I just keep my books in here? And they'd be like, yeah, that's chill. Like, Thank you, teacher. Or you'd be like, hey, let me get your book, teach. They're like, that's the teacher's. I'm like, just shut <laughs> up. You're cool, right? <laughs> Not just shut up. <laughs> <laughs> Stop being a fucking square. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, let's see. Some tweets I like. First one is from Amber Nelson at Amber Smelson tweeted, got invited to someone's place for dinner and they charged me for it. This is weird, right? Yes, that is weird. You do not get, <laughs> you do not invite someone to your home and then charge them. That goes against everything I know about the art of invitations and hospitality. I Absolutely don't understand. Absolutely the end do that. of the relationship. Would you bring it up if someone did that to you? Like, would you say, hey, what the Hell fuck yeah. is this? Are you fucking wilding? What is this? Or would you just say, I'm not talking to them forever? No, I'm a receipts person. Let me pull out my phone. Did they ask me to pay and I missed it? I got ADD as possible. Oh. Nope. I, just a straight invite. What's going on? What happened here? Do you need right. money? Are you okay? We got to have a conversation about it because I'm not handing over money freely. I need discourse. Well, then they say, and then they hit you with this. Well, I mean, like, honestly, like, I mean, like, the, the alcohol I got was really expensive and, like, the ingredients were, like, I, I spent, like, 150 bucks at the grocery store. So. Okay, cool. Okay, here's the bottle of wine I brought. Enjoy it. Also, wasn't cheap because I'm not cheap. And I'll be out. Actually, let Please. me let me let me just tally up all the bottles I've brought or bottles of wine I've brought to your house over the last year. So actually, you know what? How you many lifts did I pay for? Right, exactly. Exactly. Hey, Get out of here. Come on, be more hospitable, folks. 
Uh, and then <laughs> at Forever Wyland, at Forever Wyland underscore tweeted, introverts be like, I know a spot and then go home. Yeah, it's true. <laughs> I do know a spot and it's my house and that place is fucking, it, it, it goes up. It's the best. So shout out to all my introverts out there. Uh, you can find me at Miles of Gray on Twitter and Instagram. Also, the other pod, 420 Day Fiance with Sophia Alexandra. If you like 90 Day Fiance or Married to First Sight of them trash reality shows, that's what that's where I blow my steam off, okay? Watching those shows. So come hear me talk about those. You can find us at Daily Zeitgeist on Twitter, at The Daily Zeitgeist on Instagram. We got a Facebook fan page. We got a website. We got dailyzeitgeist.com, I'm pretty sure. Uh, at least the, probably we got the, the URL parked on. I don't know. Look, don't worry about it. But you go there. You can find all our episodes and our footnotes. Footnotes. Thank you, Joel. Where we also post everything we talked about today, as well as the song we ride out on. I want to go out on a track from Liam Bailey. Liam Bailey is slowly becoming one of my new favorite artists. Born in Nottingham, UK. He's uh, English and Caribbean. He got he's like English parents, Caribbean parents coming together, just playing like he's like a fantastic singer songwriter, but also has like this really great knack for putting on like older sort of aesthetic sounds on his work to make it sound like of a older period. But he's so creative and really really fantastic artist. Uh, so check Liam Bailey out. But this track from Liam Bailey that we're going out on is called Champion from the album Ekundayo. So check this song out. It's really dope. It has like a lot of nice little roads, piano playing on it. But yeah, that's what we're going to write out on. And again, this is a production of iHeartRadio. So for more podcasts, check out the iHeartRadio app wherever you get your podcasts for free. See you later to talk about what's trending. Until then, have a good week, y'all. Bye. Bye. The Black Effect presents Family Therapy, and I'm your host, Elliot Connie. Jay is the woman in this dynamic who is currently co-parenting two young boys with her former partner, David. David, he is a leader. He just don't want to leave me. But how do you lead a woman? How do you lead in a relationship? Like, what's the blueprint? David, you just asked the most important question. Listen to Family Therapy on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, everybody, welcome to Across Generations, where the voices of Black women unite. I'm your host, Tiffany Cross. Tiffany Cross. Join me and be a part of sisterhood, friendship, wisdom, and laughter. We gather a seasoned elder, myself as the middle generation, and a vibrant young soul for engaging intergenerational conversations, prepare to engage or hear perspectives that literally no one else has had. Listen to Across Generations podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Imagine you're a fly on the wall at a dinner between the mafia, the CIA, and the KGB. That's where my new podcast begins. This is Neil Strauss, host of To Live and Die in L.A., and I wanted to quickly tell you about an intense new series about a dangerous spy taught to seduce men for their secrets and sometimes their lives. From Tenderfoot TV, this is To Die For. To Die For is available now. Listen for free on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. Oh, hi, I'm Rachel Zoe, and my podcast, Climbing in Heels, is back and better than ever. You might know me from the Rachel Zoe Project or perhaps from my work as a celebrity stylist. And guess what? I'm still just as obsessed with all things fashion, beauty, and business. Climbing in Heels is all about celebrating the stories of extraordinary women, and this season is here to bring you a weekly dose of glamour, inspiration, and fun. Listen to Climbing in Heels every Friday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.